Amen. Make the message clear and plain, Christ receiveth sinful men. We're going to read from God's Word, and we're reading from the New Testament, from Ephesians, and the chapter 2. Paul's letter to the Ephesians, and the chapter 2. Very familiar portion of God's Word. There is a phrase in this portion of Scripture that the Lord has laid upon my heart for the Gospel meeting this evening. But we read a section of the chapter commencing from verse 1, Ephesians chapter 2, and the verse 1. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who was rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ by grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained, that we should walk in them." Amen. We'll end there at verse 10, and may the Lord be pleased to add his own blessing to this public reading from his own precious and infallible word. Again, this... Amen. And we take our seats together, and let us open up God's word to the portion of Scripture that we have read. Ephesians chapter 2. And I would like to take as my text for this evening uh, some of the words from verse 3. But let us just read that third verse again together, Ephesians 2 and the verse 3. And the apostle writes, Among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. And it's to that last part of verse 3. And were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. And the title of my message this evening is Sinners by Nature. Sinners by Nature. Let us just unite together in a word of prayer. And we'll ask the Lord for help as we come to the ministry of his word this evening. 
our loving God and our gracious Father, we do thank Thee for the joy that is in our hearts tonight of being here, being able to sing Thy praise together, being able to worship Thee. And, O Lord, that we can open up the Scriptures of truth together. And I ask, O God, for the infilling of Thy Spirit as we would come to minister Thy precious Word and give us grace tonight, O God, to exalt and to magnify our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. And for each one that would hear, may it be with profit to our hearts and to our souls. And if there be any, O God, who are not right before Thee in heart tonight, O Lord, meet them, we pray, at the very point of their heart's spiritual need. Hear our prayer and abide with us here together. We commit our way to thee in the Saviour's great name. Amen. When we are born, there are certain things that we are born with, things that we have really no control over. If you think of it genetically, whenever we're born, we have certain distinguishing features. We'll have a certain type of hair, whether it's straight or curly, a certain color of hair. We'll have a certain color of eyes, and we will have certain facial features that will identify us. You could go further and think of our fingerprints, all unique to each one of us. You could think of our DNA that we are born with. And all of these things combine together to identify us and to make us the unique individuals that we are. Not only genetically are there things that we are born with, but even physically. We think of the body that we're born with. We think of the bone structure, that skeletal frame that we have. And you think of all of the uh, muscles and the sinews and the organs that come together to make up our body. And we have a nervous system within that body. We're born with that. And we have a digestive system and we have a respiratory system. No wonder the psalmist said we're fearfully and we're wonderfully made. Those things that we're born with genetically and physically, but even emotionally, it's part of our human nature that we can then experience certain types of emotion. We could experience what it is to love, and we can experience joy. And on the other hand, we can experience sorrow and we can experience fear. And so there's all of these things that we're born with that we would say they're just part of our nature and they're part of our being, genetically and physically and emotionally. But tonight in the gospel, I want you to think about how we are born spiritually. What's our spiritual condition as we are born? Well, we are born with a certain spiritual nature. And we learn from our text of Scripture that we are sinners and that we are born with 
a sinful nature. And we are born with that inclination towards sin. I want you to note carefully the words of our text at the end of verse 3, because it says what we were by nature. Paul has been speaking to these Ephesians who are now believers. They are now saved, but he's reminding them of what they were. And he says, you were by nature children of wrath, even as others. And so there's what we were by our very nature. There was our condition as we came into this world. We were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Sinners by nature. And as we think about that for a moment or two together, it brings before us firstly the condition of the sinner. Those words describe what we are by nature. We are sinners. We were by nature the children of wrath. Those words in our text, by nature, they're describing that which is inborn. They're describing that condition in which we come into this world. That which is inherent to us. That which is part of us. We were by nature the children of wrath, sinners by nature. The psalmist David, in the Psalm 51, he gives us some further insight into this truth. And in the Psalm 51, you will remember that that was a psalm where David was confessing his sin. And as he begins to confess his sin before the Lord, that confession of David's was not just a dealing with his outward sin. No, his confession gets to the very root of the problem. And David said there in the Psalm 51 and the verse 5, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. And this emphasizes that from birth we are sinners by nature. We're born in sin. Whenever we're born into this world, that sinful nature is already there within us. And David is saying here, behold, take a look at this, observe this. He said, I was shapen in iniquity. And therefore, before the individual puts forth their hand to commit any sin, they're already sinners. Because they're sinners by nature. That sinful nature is already there. It already exists. And I say to you this evening, this is a fundamental truth of great importance. Because we have to come to that understanding of our sinful nature to see something of our need of salvation. And David is saying here in Psalm 51 and the verse 5, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity. And that word there, shapen, it has to do with the forming of the individual. 
and the fashioning of the individual, the forming of them, and the bringing forth of that individual, even within the womb before they're born. And David is saying there, as I was formed, as I was shapen, as I was fashioned, it was in iniquity. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity. He he was brought forth in iniquity. That's what he's saying. And then he goes further in the same verse. He says, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Now that doesn't mean that David came forth from a sinful relationship that his mother had. No. What David is saying here is that he's expressing the depths of sin within his own heart and within his own being. He's saying that he came from a sinful line and from a sinful race and from the moment of his conception, he had a sinful nature. Born in sin and shapen in iniquity. And that polluted nature, that corruption is there from the very moment of conception. And David, as he confesses his sin in the Psalm 51, he has a deep awareness of that. That he was born with the sinful nature. And he goes on in the sixth verse to say, Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts And in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. You see, David is referring here to the inward parts, to the hidden parts. And there God requires truth. And David is in need of that wisdom. And he knows that it goes to the very innermost part of his very being. The inward part and the hidden part. You see, the need of man is not a cleaning up of the outside. The need of man is not just putting right some external things. And maybe man in himself could try to reform his character and man could try to turn over a new leaf and try to be a better person. No. The spiritual need of man, it goes to the innermost part of their being dealing with that sinful nature that comes from Adam's fallen line, whereby we were by nature the children of wrath. Now that that truth confirms some very important issues to us. It speaks to us about the depravity of the sinner. You're really referring to there what we call original sin. The depravity of the human heart, the original sin and the guilt that is there just by nature, that which we are born with. We're born with a depraved heart. Now that doesn't mean that we're going to commit every possible evil that there is. Doesn't mean we're going to practice all of that depravity, but it does mean that the potential is there within every one of us. That inherent corruption, 
that sin extends to every part of our being. Many verses would prove that and bear that out. Whenever the Apostle Paul considered it in Romans 7, he said there in the 18th verse, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. And he was speaking there about the natural man. And Paul wrote to Titus in chapter 1 and the verse 15, he said, Unto the pure all things are pure, but unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure, but even their mind and conscience is defiled. That defilement that comes from the fact that we are sinners by nature. In Hebrews chapter 3 and the verse 12, the apostle said, Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Depraved heart, a defiled heart, an evil heart of unbelief. The depravity of the sinner, and that brings the inability of the sinner And when we speak about that spiritual inability, what we mean by that is that being a sinner by nature renders man totally incapable of any spiritual good. Man is totally of himself by nature, incapable of any spiritual good. Now, man can do good morally, We have that ability. And you could take pity upon your fellow man and you could seek to to care for them and, and show acts of kindness to them. And you could have a great concern for others and do many charitable deeds. And so man is capable of doing that which is morally good and is capable of being a good citizen of their country and trying to make a difference even socially to make this place uh, to be a better place. And that's all good. But those good deeds have no spiritual merit whatsoever. Man is incapable of any act that would make him good enough for heaven. Because man is a depraved creature, he also has that inability. That's why when the Apostle Paul was writing to the Romans in chapter 3, he spoke about there being none good. No, not one. Man is incapable of that spiritual good. And that shows as well the universality of sin. We're all born in sin and shapen in iniquity. What David said of himself is true of every one of us because we all come from Adam's fallen line. We're all born in sin. We're all shapen in iniquity. And you could look at the words of our text in Ephesians 2 and the verse 3 that we were by nature the children of wrath even as others. Others all around us, all together in this particular matter. We're all born in sin. We're all shapen in iniquity. Romans 5 and 12, Paul said, Wherefore, 
as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin so death passed upon all men for that all all have sinned and all have sinned and come short of the glory of God it's what we are by nature we're by nature the children of wrath even as others and so the words of our text reveal to us the condition of the sinner. But secondly, the condemnation of the sinner is here as well. You were by nature the children of wrath. Children of wrath. And that's showing us that the sinner in his natural condition outside of Christ is facing the wrath of God. And some today, or many today, can make a mockery about sin and make light of sin and of little concern about sin. And yet sin is such a serious matter that it will bring the wrath of God upon the individual. God is holy. God is righteous. And that's God's standard. Holiness and righteousness perfect holiness, perfect righteousness. And when we measure ourselves against God's standard, we all come short of the glory of God. We have all fallen short. We have all missed the mark. And therefore, we've broken God's law. We have transgressed God's holy law. And God, who is not only holy and righteous, but he's just. And as a just God, he must punish sin. And there's a penalty for breaking God's law and for coming short of the glory of God. And the penalty that came against sin back in the Garden of Eden was the penalty of death. They were forbidden to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. That was the penalty. And that death was speaking about death in all of its senses. Death physically. It was physical death. When Adam and Eve fell in the Garden of Eden, that process of death commenced. Man became a mortal soul, and man started that journey downward to the grave. Physical death spiritual death. Up until that point of the fall, man had enjoyed fellowship with the Lord, been able to commune with the Lord in the garden, but the moment that they sinned, they lost that spiritual life. And man became dead spiritually. They had no spiritual life towards the Lord at all. Oh, prior to the fall, they had enjoyed that spiritual life, but man, through the fall, became alienated and separated from God. Physical death and spiritual death, but it also takes in eternal death. Eternal death. That the individual who continues in that sinful estate faces the consequences of their sin. 
And that is the full weight of God's wrath coming upon them. The full weight of God's wrath in that place called hell. Paul had said to the Romans in chapter 6 and the verse 23, for the wages of sin is death. It's the same penalty. Physical, spiritual, and eternal death. And we are by nature the children of wrath. And the one who is still in that unconverted state, the one who is still in their natural estate, what they are by nature, what way they are as they're born, if they continue in that state, it's the wrath of God. The Lord was speaking in John 3, the verse 36. And he said, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. The wrath of God abideth on him. You see, by nature, we're the children of wrath. By nature, we're facing the wrath of God. And as the Bible speaks about that wrath in the place called hell, Revelation 14 and the verse 11 says, And the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever. Torment. Torment in hell, enduring the very wrath of God for all eternity. Children of wrath. In other words, they're inheritors of wrath. That the one who's not saved, the one who's not converted, is still by nature a child of wrath. And that wrath consists of the torment of hell forever and ever. That's the condemnation of the sinner. Then I want you to notice the conversion of the sinner. Ephesians chapter 2, as we've read a portion of it together, it's all about conversion. It's all about how the soul came from being dead in trespasses and sins and came from uh, walking according to the course of this world and fulfilling uh, all of the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And how they came to that point where they were converted to Christ. And it's described in the opening line of the chapter. And you hath he quickened. The word quickened there means to be made alive. And you hath he made alive. The sinner who up to this point is dead spiritually. No spiritual life exists within their soul at all. But then when the Lord comes and by the power of his spirit, he moves upon the heart of the individual and he quickens that individual. He makes them alive. And the one who was before dead is now alive to God. The sinner before conversion who was going in the direction of this old world and was going according to the course of this world and according to the prince of the power of the air 
Once they have come to Christ by the grace of God, they now have a new direction. The sinner before conversion was doomed. They were by nature children of wrath. But now they're on their way to heaven. See, that's what conversion is. The sinner who before conversion were facing the wrath of God in hell and deservedly facing the wrath of God in hell, but they have obtained mercy. And by grace, they've been saved through faith. And it's faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And it comes about only because of the Savior's work upon the cross. When he was paying the penalty for sin and he bore the wrath of God that was our due, he took the punishment that we deserved upon himself. And the work of redemption is applied to our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit and it's through the merits of Christ's precious blood that our sin and our guilt is removed. And we come from being children of wrath the being children of God. And that's conversion. There's redemption there. The work of redemption that brings the forgiveness of sins, brings the pardon of God, brings us divine favor, brings us acceptance with God, and the sinner is declared just before Almighty God. There's redemption. And there's righteousness no righteousness of our own. All our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. But when we're converted, there's a transaction that takes place where the Lord takes upon himself our sin and he transfers to us his righteousness. And thank God we have the righteousness of Christ imputed to us and received by faith alone. That's conversion. And there's restoration. The individual who had been dead in trespasses and in sins can now have that spiritual life restored to their soul and can enjoy that fellowship with the Lord. No, for every saved soul tonight, we would want to thank the Lord for what he has done for us and for the love of God that is in Christ and for his grace in ever reaching down and lifting us up and plucking us as a brand from out of the burning and in reconciling us to God through the death of his beloved Son and fitting us for heaven. With much to praise the Lord for tonight. But each one must realize that if they are not saved and they have never come to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and accept him as their own and personal Savior, then they remain in their natural condition. And they remain by nature children of wrath. And they are deservedly facing the wrath of God in hell. And they have no merit of their own and no means of ever getting or gaining any merit of their own. You must realize that their only hope tonight 
is to flee to the Lord Jesus Christ and to flee from the wrath which is to come and to be converted tonight, to come from being children of wrath to being children of God. For as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the children of God, the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. May the Lord bless his word to our hearts this evening.